The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. So today we are going to talk about the new, very little-known workshops that we are offering, and that is the Masterclass. Yes, which we just start, correct? Yes, this is a very exciting, brand-new series of workshops that we are now offering to... Students. Well, to students, but I was trying to think of students that are... Advanced. Advanced. There it is. Yeah, it's definitely not for the beginner, and uh, our series of workshops cover all the range of uh, levels, that is, from beginners to advanced, and this one is definitely for advanced students. And the reason for that is because the center of the workshop is working on a project. It's not... Uh, just learning composition or learning how to process your photographs. It's basically learning how to create and complete a project. Correct. But I also think all of the knowledge is built also on your Mastery DVD series because the students that are now taking the master class, they have these DVDs, for example, the personal style, the personal vision, Mastery DVD, the artistic composition, Mastery DVD, and they have already gone through these Mastery DVD series, and so they're ready for the next step. Yeah, in a way, what we have is done as much as we can on their own. Because the Mastery DVDs are tutorials that you study on your own. Correctly, You know, they are self-contained. And the idea is to have students work on their own, taking their time. And the Masterclass basically comes after that, when you have gone as far as you can on your own and you need help supervising and helping the creation and the completion of a project. Exactly. Yeah, so it's at the top of the scale right now in terms of workshops. It is. If we take uh, the field workshops, if we take the summit, if we take the little-known workshops, we now have one more, which is the master class, and that comes after that. So first of all, we would never take a student that has just started studying photography because it would be way over their head, and there's no indication that they would even be interested because a lot of students are not interested in completing a project. They just want to learn to take good photos and that's it. Right. right. They are not interested in publishing a book. They are not interested in creating a portfolio or a folio or having a show of their work. They just want to take better photos. And that's what the field workshops are for and to some extent the summit, you know. When we get to the little known workshops, we have students that want to go beyond that and want to start showing their work, wants to start finding an audience, probably doing work that's higher level work, you know, final work. They work harder. They do. And they also want to exhibit their work, not necessarily sell their work all the time, but have exhibitions. Yeah, they want to show their work, but not so much showing the outcome of a project, just showing photographs that they like, that are good. Mm -hmm. And so they don't necessarily show photographs that are related to each other. Correct. It's just a collection of photographs that they selected because, you know, they are good and they think that they will please the audience. The masterclass, which is basically the very little-known workshop, is uh, a class that goes after the little-known workshops where students are interested in creating a series of photographs on a theme, on a very specific subject, a very specific theme. And so if, if the outcome of the masterclass 
is a show, that show will feature photographs on that theme. Not just good photographs that are unrelated to each other, but good photographs that have a common theme. Right. And, and that's really one of the main differences. And that's the first time we teach a class like that. And the reason why we haven't before is because, first of all, I don't know of any class of that nature, so I had to create the own syllabus for that class. And also, you have to have students that are at that level, and it takes time to find students that are motivated to go in that direction. That's true. So what is your definition of a master class? A master class is a class that challenges you, that pushes you beyond the point at which you can go on your own. So there is, a, I think, in the beginning a certain honesty on the part of students that want to attend a master class, and that is being realistic as to where they are and being realistic as to how far they can go on their own. Traditionally, master classes are taught in writing, they are taught in acting. In photography, they are less popular, which was the challenge for me, creating a class like that, because there is no model to go with. But um, if we go with the models in writing and in acting, a master class is basically starting with students that have achieved a certain level with their work. You know, they are not beginning writers, they are not beginning actors. They are people that want to get their career on a higher level. You know, they, they want to jump in their career usually. You know? Right. And a master class is very active. That is, you present your work, and it's not just a review of your work, it's also a process of improving the work. And very often when we teach the beginning workshops, you know, the field workshops, what we have are students that want feedback on their work at the level of whether I like it or not or what I think. The most common request on the regular workshops when we do a print review is for students to ask me, what do you think? And I always tell them, I say, you know, what I think can cover the gamut. I mean, I can go on and on for several hours about what I think, but you have 10 minutes. You know? right. So you better tell me what direction you want me to go in? You know, is it composition? Is it processing? Is it your personal style? Is it uh, something else? You know, is it the marketability of your work? They have to make a choice because the time is very short. On a masterclass, the time is very extensive because one of the main characteristics of the masterclass is we only take three students at the most. And this year we had two. Right. And so that means that the pre-interview can go on for an hour, maybe two hours. And the other thing is that we are asking students to bring two sets of prints, the first one being prints that they are very happy with, very proud of, that are maybe their masterpieces, their best work so far, and the second set being prints that they have problems with, prints that they are not satisfied with, prints that have challenges that they can't quite fix and that they need help with. Right. And so we cover the gamut from the very best to the most problematic. Right. And that already means that these students can select two groups of prints. Yes. Because they can. on very starting workshops, on the very beginning workshops, on the film workshops, we have students that bring prints not knowing if they are good or bad. They have no idea. Correct. And very often for beginners, they are shocked when I review their work and I tell them, you know, what I think, because that's what they want to know. And what I think is that there is a lot of work needed to get it where it would be an acceptable print to show or to sell or to do whatever with. Right. You know, we had on this last workshop somebody that looked at me and said, how can you tell that? Well, <laughs> I can tell that because this is my job, you know, this is what I do. I've done it for 30 years or more. I've seen thousands, if not tens of thousands of student prints, and I can pretty much look at a print and tell pretty fast, within a few minutes, where the student is at, mm -hmm. you know. 
And so for that reason, a master class is not appropriate for a beginning student because we could not have two groups of prints. They would have prints, but they would not be able to separate the good ones from the ones that we have problems with. Right. Well, when you taught this class this past March, I liked a couple of things that you said about the master class and that the master class, the goal is to provide an environment in which you can turn your photography dreams and goals into reality. Yeah, that's the theme of the class because you have basically three stages in achieving something and in being successful. And that is, we all have dreams. A few of us have dreams that transfer into goals. And then a fewer number have goals that become a reality. So very often when we ask students in the beginning, when they are just starting, what their goals are for their photography, what we hear are things like, I want to be the best photographer that I can be. That's a dream. That's not a goal. That's a dream. We all want to be the best that we can be unless you know, we are very low-level achievers. Right. How do you turn that into a goal? Well, you can say, for example, by the end of this year or within six months, I'm going to complete a project and I'm going to publish a book or I'm going to have a show or I'm going to create a portfolio or a folio of my work. That's a goal. A lot of people stay there and never quite get started. The reality is when you actually have the show, when you actually publish the book, when you actually release the folio or the portfolio and make it available to, to collectors, that's the reality. And the goal of the masterclass is to actually turn dreams into goals and then goals into reality, with us helping every step of the way. Right. Because the hardest thing for somebody is to actually complete their project. Everybody starts a project at some point, if they do this long enough, but most people never complete the project. But also giving them the tools that they need to turn these into reality, their dreams into a reality, giving them the tools and teaching them you know, what needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely, because there's a reason why People have dreams and not goals, and there's a reason once we have a goal, why that goal doesn't become reality. And that's because we don't have the tools. They are not aware of what to do. They don't have the knowledge required to go and complete the project, basically. And what we do here is we give them these tools. Right. And we're not going to go into what those tools are here because that's not the purpose. It would take too long, and that's really the subject of the master class in any way. But the core of the class is really giving them these tools, how to face adversity, what to do if you get stuck, how to find inspiration. These are all the answers right. that we provide. So what you're doing is you're providing an environment that they can overcome these challenges that they have. And so it's going to be different for each person or each student in this masterclass. Is yeah, that correct? It's, it's going to be different for everyone because everybody faces different issues, different challenges. But the thing that's common is that all of us, including me and you, face challenges. Absolutely. You know, nothing is easy. You know, right. when you go and you want to achieve something ambitious, there's going to be hurdles along the way. The question is not whether or not there's going to be hurdles, there will be. The question is, what do you do when you encounter them? Yes. And most people, when they encounter a hurdle, they stop. And they might not stop at the first one, 
because the first hurdle might not be enough, but eventually they will encounter a hurdle and they'll just stop and they'll wait until somehow the solution comes to them. Well, solutions don't come to you. It's not sitting on your hands and waiting that's going to provide a solution to the problem on how to overcome the hurdle. You have to have the solution. And the solution is something that you can figure out on your own if you can, but most people can't. Right. Most people don't have the time, they don't have the knowledge, or if they do, they're going to waste years. Yes. And I remember in our own career, we had challenges and we had hurdles, and we may still be trying to deal with them if we hadn't hired help to help us uh, find a solution. Oh, absolutely. Because we could not see what the problems were (laughs) sometimes, you know. Well, it's not so much that you can't see what the problem is. You know what the problem is, but you keep thinking that it's a problem. You don't start thinking, how am I going to solve that? Right. Very often, the problem becomes an obsession. Let's take, for example, when we sold at the Altavar, where we were selling so much that we did not have a life anymore and we were unable to meet the demand because the volume was so high. We kept thinking about the problem. Well, the problem was we had to crank out massive amount of work. And so I bought more printers, I bought more computers, I bought more paper, more ink. Works longer hours. Work longer <laughs> hours, you know, mat and frame all the time. I mean, I got to the point where I had repetitive motion syndrome in my arm because I cut so many mats. Right. The solution was not that. The solution was to increase the prices so that we lower the demand. Slow it down a little bit. Yeah, you control the the volume by the price. And so that simple solution is something that was given to us by somebody that we hired. If we hadn't hired that person, regardless of how simple that solution might seem, we may still be looking for it. Oh, absolutely. And that's the kind of problems that we are dealing with with the masterclass. Of course, the masterclass is not aimed at students that want to sell their work necessarily, although that's part of it if they want to. But the same kind of problems surface when you work on a project, when you work on a show, you know. Well, and I really liked when you taught this class this past March. You know, the students had written their goals down and read them to us. And you had them come up with a timeline that they were going to reach these certain goals. And we also had a discussion about not just about hurdles, encountering hurdles, you know, when when you're working on a project and stuff, but also that life is going to happen regardless. And so that's not a reason to stop working on your project or because life will always happen. Things will always happen. And I remember we had that conversation And I think that was very helpful as well, that even if you do just a little bit every day, you know. Yeah, goals are goals, and life is life. And the two are not necessarily going to interface perfectly. You know, they're not going to dovetail perfectly. We all have goals, and we all have a life, and we all have things that happen unpredictably. Right. The problem is that if you let those things that happen unpredictably stop you from achieving your goals, guess what? You'll never achieve any of your goals because there's always going to be something. That's true. And so you have to have strategies. You do. And one of the strategies is learning to be in control. That's the main difference. People that achieve their goals are in control of their goals as opposed to people that let life happen and put things on hold, you know, on standby forever, they are not in control. Right. And being in control is something that is learned. It's not 
something that is innate. You know? It is not. I also think uh, mental toughness is also something that helps during this process as well. Sure. Um, Everything comes into play, you know? you know. You don't want to be discouraged. You don't no, want to let adversity no. get the better of you. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be people that are not going to like what you do. You can't let them interfere with your goals, you know. Right. They need to get out of the way. That's the bottom line. And learning how. do how. you do that? Well, again, it's a learned process. Right. It doesn't come naturally it to look not. at somebody that doesn't like what you do, that's basically putting sticks in your wheel, that's preventing you from reaching your goal, that's wasting your time, to put it bluntly, and tell them, listen, get out of the way. You know? Exactly. Um, you know, there's no other option. And since you don't like my work, I think what I suggest is that you get out of the way. You know? Yeah. Like I tell students all the time, when they have people that don't like their work and they're annoyed by it, just tell them to go find an artist whose work they like instead of bugging the heck out of an artist whose work they don't like. It's not your audience if they don't like your work. Right. And they need to go. And there is really no reason to take gloves, you know, to handle people like that. You know, we don't have to be rude. We don't have to be violent. But we no. need to tell them, listen, I don't think this is for you. Just move on and let me do my thing. Oh, yes. And, and that's really an important part of goals. You know, one of the main problems with people in regards to achieving their goals are distractions. And distractions are many, you know, they are numerous, but one of them is people that are just bugging you for no reason, you know, naysayers, you know, people that don't have any positive things to say, you know. But on. that take all of your attention or a lot of your attention and energy. They want to feel important. Right. You know, that's what I've noticed with people that criticize endlessly uh, things that uh, people do. They want the attention. They basically are starved for attention. Mm -hmm. And so their way of getting attention is to say something nasty about what you do and then wait for an answer. And the best answer is to just look at them and say, you know, thank you for sharing. Have a nice day. Right. <laughs> you know? I agree. And be done because we are not here to provide attention to attention seekers that have nasty things to say. You know? Right. We're here to provide beautiful work to people that appreciate what we do. That's the goal. And so basically a masterclass has to be taught by somebody that has gone through all of that. That's the number one thing, you know. And somebody we can ask the main question, the important questions. And that's how we started this class. We started with a questionnaire and with, you know, what I would consider to be a relatively difficult questions. They were difficult questions, but everybody had a goal that they wanted to accomplish. And they knew what the goal was. They were able to verbalize it and say, this is what I want to do. This is a project that I want to do. This is my goal. And, you know, it took a little bit of time to get the schedule into place, but they had a clear vision on what they wanted to do. Well, it took several days. And the, yes. the whole class, you know, it's a five-day class, and uh, it takes several days. We're going to work on it every single day of that five-day class. So we have classroom sessions, and then we have field work. And they did writings yeah. in the evenings yeah. as well. They yeah. had a homework that they did. Yeah, that's why it's not a class for beginners, because no. the commitment may not be there, you know, wouldn't necessarily right. be there. You know. Well, and I was thinking, because on the last Antelope Canyon workshop, we had a lot of beginning photographers. We always do um, for Antelope. We do. And I was thinking, you know, somebody who doesn't even know processing couldn't possibly take a master class. Well, there's no there's point. just absolute, yes, it would be a waste of time and money. 
I mean, it's you need to learn processing first. Yes, I mean, absolutely. first things first. Oh, you know? yes, in, I agree. In, in order for you to complete a project in the context of a masterclass, you have to control the technical aspects of your work. Yes. You have to know how to photograph in the field. You have to know how to use your camera, you know, in a professional manner. You have to know how to process fine art, you know. You have to have developed a personal style. What you're missing is the ability to complete a project. Right. You know, and that starts with answering the difficult questions. And the difficult questions, they are basically three, you know. Who are you? What do you want? And are you in control? Right. And most people don't know who they are. They are not sure what they want. And they are not in control. Right. And at that point, how can you complete a project? And so our job, so to speak, you know, our purpose is to help them answer these questions, yes. finding out who they are in regards to photography, of course, finding out what they want and finding out whether they are in control or not. And if they are not giving them control, giving them the means of having control. Right. And if you can answer these three questions, there's nothing you cannot achieve. I agree. But of course, they are very, very difficult questions. They are difficult Because questions. when you ask people who they are, their first answer is their profession. You know, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm an engineer. Right. You know, and they give you their qualification. They might give you the company they work for. They might tell you what degrees they have. You know, that's very nice, but we're doing fine art photography here. Right, right. <laughs> so... We have to ask the question again, who are you? Right. And it takes them a long time to actually come up with an answer in the context of photography. Yes. Because they never thought of themselves as professional photographers. Or as, as an artist. Yeah, or as serious photographers right. or serious artists. And it takes them a long time to understand that, for example, who they are, I'm a photographic artist. Right. Which would be a very good answer. You know, What do you want? I want to explore the possibilities of my personal style. I want to explore a particular subject. Or I are want to in, express. Yeah, I want to express you know. a certain type of emotion. And are you in control? Well, I mean, how do you get control? You get control by removing distractions out of your life, maybe deleting you know, the apps on your cell phone, not Facebooking anymore, uh, not wasting your time with uh, endless distractions in your life, whatever they are, whether they are internet-related or relatives or the phone ringing constantly uh, or you know having to read every newspaper or every magazine that comes your way or having to chat with your friends all day long every day you know I mean whatever you know or having to care for things that are not related you know like they said when I was uh, studying writing let the land die ah. you know and what it means is the last thing you want to do when you're having writer's block is go and mow the lawn in front of your house. Let it die. Mowing the lawn is not going to give you a solution to writer's block. A solution to writer's block is by writing. Right. You know? Not cleaning the house either. <laughs> not, right. Kill the rat in the basement. That was another oh, yeah. tip. You know, Kill the rat in Kill the basement. Kill the rats. <laughs> and, and the rat, you know, you may not have a basement and hopefully you don't have rats in your house. Right. But it's a metaphor for something that's nagging at you. You, you can't do something. You, you can't uh, work on your project, whether it's writing or photography. And so you start to hear every little crack in your house, every little noise, every little... Munch, munch. <laughs> yeah, the rat, you know. But it can be anything. It can be the air conditioner. It can be the fan on the ceiling. It can oh, be yeah. whatever, you know. Right. Cars driving by, you know, neighbors. Oh, yes. And, and what is happening is you have to learn to tune it off. Just turn off your brain. And how do you do that? You do that by focusing on your work. Right. Um, right. You know. 
And, and so all of, all of these strategies, you know, fear, you know, fear of failure is the number one reason why people don't do anything, especially in art. They are afraid to fail. Well, how do you solve fear of failure? The solution is passion. Passion is the antidote to fear. Yes. Because when you're passionate about what you do, you don't think about fear. You think about how much you want to get what you have in your mind out so that you can share it with other people. Right, and how much it means to you. And how excited you are. Yes. And fear goes out yes. of the window. It does. Yeah. It does. So you have to generate that passion. And part of a masterclass is finding what people are passionate about and giving them the opportunity to make it happen, to make it a reality so that fear is gone, you know. And, and also providing a nurturing environment where we are here as facilitators, not as critics. Well, and it's also a support group because uh, other students are in there as well, besides the instructors. And so there is a support system there. Right. But our role as teachers is to be supportive, to create an environment of positive interaction, not an environment of negative interaction. Right. Because one of the reasons why people are afraid to try something, to start something, to work on a project, you know, long term, is that they are afraid of the negative reinforcement, the negative outcome. Right. And if you point to that, then nobody starts anything. You have to point to the positive outcome. You have to point to the fact that when the project is completed, they'll have a show, people will be excited to come. If they sell their work, people will buy their work they'll have achieved something important, they'll have people being happy with what they do, they can be proud of it, and on and on. That's the goal, you know, that's our goal. We want to create positive reinforcement. We want to create that context. Right. Yeah. And that's very different than what you can find, let's say, in a family setting. You know? Oh, boy. <laughs> because a lot of people can say, well, you know, I've got my family, they're supportive. Are they? Are they really supportive? Because it takes training for us to be able to teach that way. Oh, I agree. It's not in that either. Well, yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I know many photographers whose spouses are not supportive of what they do. <laughs> yeah, definitely you know? some of them so. are not supportive. But even those that are supportive, they have their own life. And their own life is happening and they don't have the time. Right. That's true. And you can see how over the course of a project, let's say a six-month project to keep it uh, simple, they are going to at one point say, listen, I can't keep taking care of you. Right. I can't keep helping you. You know, I've got things to do. I've got a life to live. I have other responsibility. Why don't you do your thing? And when you're done, show it to me. Well, that's not how a project gets completed. No, not at you all. You know, because you need right. help along the way, not at the end. You do. You know. You do. And that's what we do. We provide help along the way. The way the masterclass is structured is there is the field work itself, you know, the masterclass uh, workshop itself. But then afterwards, we continue through one-on-one -on -one consulting. Yes, and it's all-day consulting in the studio with us in person for eight hours. The, it can be over the phone as well. Well, I think it's both, and then uh, one-hour phone yeah, session. It's a combination of both. But in any way, whether it's on the phone or in the studio, it is help along the way, not help at the end. Correct. And it's professional help where we review the work and we also check on the progress because one of the important aspects of completing a project is accountability. And a lot of people, you know, including us, 
if we don't have somebody to be accountable for, we are very lenient on ourselves. Right. If we did not do the work by, let's say, next Friday, well, we can find all sort of good reasons why we did not do the work. And we'll make sure to get it done by the Friday after. And if we don't, then we'll find more reasons. With us, we meet next Friday. And if you don't have the work, you have a problem. Right. <laughs> right. Because we're going to look at you and say, okay, uh, so oh. what do we do now? Because right. that was supposed to be here today. So there's two solutions. We can reset the goals or, you know, we can just get the work done now. Exactly. You know, that's what not happened? a bad time. So in a sense, that accountability is something that is missing in most people's lives. And you can't have, uh, you know, a relative be accountable for what you do because they don't have the time. And right. they are also going to be lenient. They don't want to get into an argument. They don't well, want to they get love into a problem, you. Yeah. I mean, the last thing they want to do is fight with you over a project that you... Yeah. Tell you, come on, or get it done, buddy. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but also what's important is even if they say, okay, get it done, you know, right. or else. Right. Okay, that's not enough. Need, the reason why somebody is not doing something is not because they don't want to do it. It's because there is a problem. Yes. And you need to solve that problem, right. whatever that is. Right. You know, you get stuck, you know. Right. And very often, uh, when you get stuck, you think that there's no solution. Right. And very often, the solution is simple. But if you don't have somebody to give you the solution, there is no solution. (laughs) I agree. So we should talk a little bit about the location of the masterclass. Because we did not teach it in Zion or Grand Canyon or Monument Valley or... Oh, no, no. So I'll let you go ahead and talk about where we... Well, we taught it on five 40-acre properties that we own in Arizona. And the reason for that is because these are locations that don't carry a stereotype or a preconceived idea on how you're going to represent them. Because besides me, nobody has photographed them before. That's true. And so the difference between going to a location that you have never seen a photo of and going to a location like Monument Valley where you've seen thousands, if not tens of thousands of photographs, is you have to reinvent what you're going to represent that location as. You have to come up with an idea. Right. You don't have something to go with. And that's the perfect situation for creating a personal style. It is. And all of our properties are different and uh, very beautiful. It's discovery. That's what it is. That's exactly what it was all about. And I think that part of the power of a masterclass is discovering that which you ignore. Having somebody look at your work or having somebody push you in a direction that is going where really you would never have gone before. And the first thing that happened when we took the students to uh, the properties is they just wandered off. Oh, they did. You know, they did not really have a preconceived idea of where to go so we just wandered off and we wandered off in directions that ourselves have not always gone before i know <laughs> i know it was very interesting and i didn't even bother to even tell them where the boundaries of the 40 acre parcels were because some of our parcels back up to a national park or state land or whatever. So I was like, well, you know, once they're off our 40 acres, they're into the national park or they're in uh, state land or whatever. So <laughs> I didn't really worry about it. Well, for one, they're not fenced. So right. you don't know right. where the boundaries are. You know, I know because we marked the boundaries, but it's... Visually, they don't know. Yeah, there's no visual clue. We know 
because we know that there is no visual clue. And so, in a sense, what we are dealing with is an open landscape, mm -hmm. a completely open oh, landscape. Oh, yes. Where as long as we can see, that's good enough, you know. Right. We are not worried about parking lots. We are not worried about overlooks. We are not worried about park and regulations. Or getting yeah. their cameras stolen or having to watch yeah. it all. They're... they're their mind, they're just free. There's no rangers. You don't have right. to leave before sunset. You don't have to come uh, at a particular time. I mean, you know, it's basically our rules, you know, and there are none. You can do whatever you want. And that really is an important aspect, the freedom, you know. Right. That's very important. Because even if we say, well, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want, when you go to a very well-known place... You're not free in your mind. You no. have all these photographs no. that you have seen before that are sort of running through your head. Right. I mean, how many times when we teach beginning workshops do I tell people, okay, don't do the postcard shot. You can go to a gift store and buy it. And they're like, can I still do it? And I'm like, you know, if you really have to get out of your system, do it. And then move but then on. Move on and right. do something personal. Quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't get stuck there. It's an obsession. There. You know, they it have is. to take that shot or somehow they are not going to be happy. Right. Well, here, they don't have to take that shot because there is no postcard shot. There is no preconceived idea. There is nothing to go with. There is not. You know, they are being brought to a place and they don't have an image of that place in mind and they can do whatever they want. And I think the outcome is personal work. Right. Well, and one of the students in the past master class said that he really appreciated the fact that we just let them wander off on the 40-acre parcels and just let them go. Yeah, which is you the know. idea. They right. actually did exactly what we were hoping they would do. Right. Yeah. Because you want that freedom. You know, art is freedom. Art is anything you want. So why should we put boundaries when we actually create the work, you know, when we actually photograph? The one thing we wanted to do on that workshop was do some painting in the field, but we weren't able to do it this time because there was so much wind. Yeah. So. But we'll do it on the next one. I know there's, uh, that's something that we wanted to do in the master class as well, was doing some palette knife painting so that you're not worried about the details. You choose your color palette and you're looking at lines and shapes and forms, but you don't have to worry about painting in all the little details. It's just capturing the movement or the mood, you know, just expressing, you know, how you feel about the place. That's one thing. Yeah. And we, wind is a problem when it comes to painting and drawing. It's, it's a it problem is. with photography, but not as much. You right. can photograph in windy conditions. You cannot draw or paint outdoors in windy conditions. No. And so we couldn't do it. But we'll do it on the next one. And the idea, like you said, of uh, using painting and drawing as medium is that we are much more loose with painting and drawing than we are with photography because we can't include as many details. The main difference between a painting and a photograph is that a painting has far less details than a photograph. Mm -hmm. That's the number one difference. And so if you want to create a photograph that has painting quality, you just remove details. You know, you don't make it about details. Right. And also... The other advantage of doing painting and drawing is that these are mediums that they are not familiar with, and so they don't carry a preconception. There is no filter in their head about what is a good painting or a good drawing, but there is a filter as to what is a good photograph or a bad photograph. Oh, yes, I agree. And so that filter sort of stops you from doing certain things, from trying things. And 
that's the problem. And with painting and drawing, you don't have that problem. And so you might actually have ideas that you would never have with photography, and then you can use these ideas in your photographic work. Oh, yes, but, um, because it, it opens you up, you know, into another dimension. Yeah, it opens avenues yeah. of creativity. Right. Yeah. And in regards to painting, it can open avenues of creativity in regards to color. You right. might use different colors that you're not used to using. A lot of people feel that the colors that the camera captures have to be the colors that they have in their final prints. Oh, yeah. They don't have to. No. But they think that because the camera captured it, it has to be the right color. Well, it's not. You know, it's right. just what the camera did. With painting, you have to create your own color. You do. You don't start with a color. You, know, unless you have to choose even, your colors. Right, you have to choose your color. Even if you use colors straight out of the tube, you have to select what tube yeah. you're going to use. Yeah, and how many? Because usually you can't, you don't use more than five anyway. Yeah, but regardless of how many colors you want to use, you're going to have to make a decision as to what color you put down. Exactly. You're going to have to make a decision also as to what shapes you're going to paint, right. how many details you're going to paint, how much uh, of uh, of a Thick, surf, you thin, know. Yeah, exactly. you know, how you much know, paint you, you want to use. Yeah, are you going to layer it, yeah. you know? So all these decisions have to be made by the artist as opposed to photography where the only decision is point the lens here and press the shadow. Right. Know? But I think that it will open venues into looking at photography and approaching it in an entirely different way, these exercises. That's the idea. The idea is yes. to bring new ideas by using new medium. Right. And we did not do it this time because of the wind, but we'll definitely do it on the next time. Yes. Because it's a valuable exercise. It is. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And we have the easels and everything to do all of that outside. So it's, Yeah, we have the supplies. Yeah. We just needed no wind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So is there anything else you wanted to cover? Well, I think this is already a pretty good overlook of the master class. I agree. Um, I think, obviously, the next step for somebody who is interested is to contact us. And uh, they can do that over email by going to my website and emailing me. And, uh, of course, they have to be advanced students. They have to have attended a workshop with us before and preferably a little-known workshop and we also have to have the motivation necessary to work on a project that's going to be about six months long. Right. With regular supervision on our part. So that defines already a very specific kind of student. It know, does. With a very high level of motivation. Obviously, not just interested in getting better photos, but interested in making this into more or less a career. And it doesn't have to be a full-time career, but it has to be something that we want to go and do beyond the level of, of an amateur or an aficionado or somebody who is just doing it for the fun of it. You know? right. Because it's going to be hard. Right? It it's, is. It's challenging. It doesn't mean that it's going to be painful, but there will be challenges. And, uh, and it's You work. have to be ready uh, to overcome these challenges. And like I said before, what it means is you want to have students that are passionate about photography, Absolutely. passionate about what they do. Yes. That's, I think that's the number one requirement. I agree. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's about having the desire to get that done and to get a very specific project done. And they don't have to know what project they want to work on ahead of time. No. Because part of the purpose of the masterclass, part of the goal of the masterclass, is to actually help them define their project. Through questions. Yeah, through questions. Right. You know, what do you want to do? How long? What is the outcome? This but kind of I thing, also you know. think that visiting our 40-acre properties also helped. Yeah. 
you know. It be- did help with uh, one of the students who decided to create a project that would be uh, about visual emotions. And he did not have that idea until we went on the properties and we started uh, photographing there. Because right. uh, until then, his project was actually very different. It was very different. And I think after going to the properties, the working title or the project, it became known as Desert Experiences. Desert Experiences. Desert yeah, Experiences. And yeah. that was after being on yeah. maybe one or two properties. And that's a great project because it's very open-ended. And at the same time, it's very artistic. It opens the doors to a lot of possibilities. It does. You know? And that project came out of just being there. It did. And experiencing the land, experiencing the vastness of the landscape. Uh, and the being a, and uh, just being alone right. out there in the landscape. Yeah, without uh, any Because they wandered off and right. we weren't, you know, no. next to them the whole time. Yeah, we are not uh, hoovering over them. Uh, no, we just have a central yeah. place on the 40-acre parcel where we meet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, eventually we have to get back together so we can <laughs> go back home, you know. Which is usually where the cars yeah, are parked. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the important thing is how often can you be in a place where there is nobody except you and I and them, where there is no guidelines, where there is no preconceived notions, where there is no distractions, there is no cell phone coverage, there is no computers, no TVs, no no appliances, no nothing. There's no, no houses. There's no neighbors. There's no neighbors. Uh, I mean, most of them. It's, it's the landscape in a prime bowl fashion. It is. You know, as it is, as it's always been. And uh, not only that, but it's a very rich landscape. It's each of the five parcels that we own was purchased because of their beauty. aesthetic beauty. Right. Absolutely, yeah. And some of them have uh, Indian ruins on them, yes. pottery. Some of them have... Um, petroglyphs. Petroglyphs. Some of them have incredible views. Some of them have trees. Some of them have rocks. We have one that has two mesas. Yes. We have one that has a bluff that's at least uh, 150 and feet high. And the painted desert and the clay hills. We have one that overlooks a wash. I mean, the variety is incredible. And then then, yeah. then you have all the, the juniper forests. Right. And then getting there is half of the fun because there's no road. To some of them, we have to four-wheel drive. Or it's just a two-wheel track. Or it's a two-track road. <laughs> so there's some... Unknowns as to how the road will be, oh, whether yeah. or not we can make it, uh, having to go through fences, finding the gate. Sometimes we had to make our own way through all right. of that. And Driving so, through uh, horses. Right. Yeah, so there's <laughs> adventure, you know. So it, it's a very immersive experience because adventure has one main aspect, you know, that people seek, and that is the unknown. We don't know exactly how things are going to play out. That's the difference between a planned trip and an adventure. A planned trip, you know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to go there, you're going to go here, then you're going to do this and you're going to do that. An adventure is you don't know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to go to a particular spot, but you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. You don't know exactly what you're going to do when you get there. And you don't know exactly what you're going to discover when you get there. Right. And that's adventure. And I think adventure is very conducive to inspiration. Right. Well, and then one of them, we were actually uh, repairing fences, barbed wire fencing, because <laughs> somebody had closed off one of our accesses. Right. And so we actually were 
redoing the barbed wire and they were and worried that, that their cows fencing. would go through the fence so they, uh, <laughs> right. closed the, the gate yeah. yeah so bring your leather gloves and your tools your fencing for, pliers <laughs> your fencing well, pliers we have a pair of fencing pliers <laughs> <laughs> not it's, all of them yeah. are fenced, yeah. but uh, one was. Well, these are not fences we put on. These are no, fences no. that were there before, and right. we just have to. Uh, the cowboy you know, closed it deal off. Deal with them, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. 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 He didn't want to go get the cows down below the bluff. Exactly. Keep yeah. them on top. Right. Yeah. I, I can't blame him for that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of work going to get them down in there. So anyway, if you're interested and you have attended a workshop with us and this sounds like something that is exciting and you're passionate about doing it, contact us. The website is beautiful-landscape.com and my email is alan, A-L-A-I-N, at beautiful-landscapes.com or just go to my website. The link is uh, at the top of the podcast. And you can click on it and go to my website and find my email from there. And let us know that you're interested and we'll go from there. Sounds good. And thank you for listening. And uh, we'll uh, see you on the next podcast.